Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Welcome, behold, behold, if you are watching this, you are seeing four, you are seeing four people, four boxes of delight. If you were listening, you were about to hear four voices of delight. Um, And when we have four voices, you know what that means. That means it's a double feature day. So welcome to the show with Joel Ryan. I am Joel. I'm Ryan. And oh, Michael, Rob, Hi. Michael and Rob are here. And I can't find the applause button, and I've let myself down. There we go. Oh, oh, yay! All right, so we, yeah, we, so when you know we have a big show. If there's four of us here, there's going to be lots of talking. Um, this week, uh, yeah, we have another double feature uh, episode. We are going to pitch you, the listener. We're going to pitch you on some double features that are worth your time, worth taking an evening, snuggling up with someone that you care about. Aww. Maybe maybe a bowl of popcorn. Just, uh, this is our third double feature pop- episode, um, but in case you don't know the rules, each of us had to pick one, the rest of us had to watch them, and then to come on the show and respond to them. It's actually not that complicated. I always no. thought I, I Wait, explained it in the most complicated way possible in previous episodes. But that's That was by far the best and most succinct way you've ever described it. No, no. Good um, thing we're recording yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll replay this back. Uh, we'll, we'll go la- last time on the double feature episode of Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, Rob and Michael. Um, so yeah, uh, and and fortunately, uh, well, not whether whether you want or not. I mean, the last two weeks we we gave you another double feature. You can always watch Terminator and Terminator Two. I mostly just wanted to. Just I think that's kind of a shitty double feature, actually. <clears throat> Yeah. Would you rather Terminator Genesis and Terminator Salvation? I watched Terminator and then I watched Highlander afterwards, and I think that's much, much better. Yeah, that the both both that, the tying element, um, big lightning balls. Yeah. I've never seen beyond two, uh three. I've never seen beyond that. Yeah, well yeah. Neither uh, had Joel, I mean, right? No, Joel, you'd seen Salvation, right? I had seen, yeah, whatever the fourth one was. Uh, we shouldn't yeah. talk about the Terminator. It'll curse the episode. Nobody's listening to this Terminator. <laughs> People are like, yeah, skip to like, 15 what? seconds. No, thank um, you. No, let's jump in because we have uh, we have a really eclectic group of double features, yeah. too. So we have everything that is going to, um, you know, if you want a scary double feature, we got that. If you want a mysterious double feature, we got that. If you want a lovely double feature, I got you. And if you want to go classic 
if you want to go classic movies, we got you a double feature as well. We are going to start off. Uh, we um, we are going to go movies um, from ancient times, as I call them. Movies from ye old, before ye times. old days of before the times. of movie of cinema, ye <laughs> old cinema. Um, back when they used to use uh, use sulfur lighting, and uh, <laughs> um, the uh, so we're going to start out with um, uh, last time we did a double feature, we ended with Michael's films. We are going to flip it, and we are going to start this thing off with the uh, newest double feature that- first. Yeah, and, go back and that uh, we're yeah we're gonna start uh, gonna go back in time. Gonna <laughs> start off with <laughs> with 2015's Savage Land. Yay! Um, I'll just give a really quick intro. I saw this on the festival circuit. It was one of my first reviews. Uh, the basic setup: it's made like kind of a 48 hours crime documentary of this border town that is ravaged by something uh, overnight and basically every citizen but one is killed. Um, And then it's kind of plays out like a crime documentary with interviews and forensic photos and court documents. Um, But that's kind of the setup. I won't say much more because going in, I didn't know it would be 100% my kind of movie. Um, which if you know me well enough, you'll know what that means. So, but I, I reviewed this very favorably. I actually ended up on the DVD cover with a quote because I praised it so heavily. And it's, um, I, my revisit this week, it didn't have the same punch as it did, you know, seven years ago, but it's still really, really well done. There are a few things that didn't work for me this time, but the first time around, this movie scared the hell out of me. And um, there's images in there that still are just unbelievably creepy. So that's kind of my take on it. I mean, it, it still held up beautifully. It didn't scare me as much, but it's it's still a really good movie. So that's it. Um, I I mean, I I saw this movie. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, it didn't scare me. Uh, uh, I just found it like so wonderfully creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I don't love like, like big jump scares and, and, uh, you know, stuff that's really going to mess, but I just love the conceit of it. I thought the execution on it as like this, you know, it's, it's not Blair Witchian in the sense that it's like, Oh, found footage, just all edited together. It's, yeah. it, it is. Yeah. It, it, you can tell, like, as I was watching it, I'm like, Oh, you can tell that they studied, uh, uh like the paradise lost, documentary about the the you know and like the the ha um making mur- making a murderer one or whatever the one uh, the guy in wisconsin you could tell that like they watched those and made sure to sort of hit those beats and hit those angles on the talking head people talking well, about the the thing and it, it was it was just great it's it, the it was super fun that they i mean i i it, it's impressive to me the only thing that stood out to me this time as not so great the the chief police guy i didn't quite buy him this time everybody else i Mm -hmm. bought and i remember the first time i watched him like wow they are committed i believe this um but i i agree with you john not so much that it's scary i guess that's the improper term but it's unnerving it's very Mm -hmm. upsetting and um but it's it's got that rumble and once they start into the photographs that's the other thing quickly is that this guy the survivor only had was a camera with 36 exposures and he takes pictures as he goes throughout town to try and I guess help people 
and the photographs are terrifying. They're so, yeah, they're bonkers. So terrifying. Well, and the yeah, way like, they're I, the way they're. I mean, there's a lot of. I have a lot of problems with it from a plot standpoint, but I, I'm really. I don't really care about that because what I'm looking for with this kind of thing is the the you know the conceit was great the way they did the show and everything and yeah the photos were fantastic and, and not only that but the, the witness accounts particular I mean there were a bunch of them that I really really liked uh, but my favorite was the guy talking about the impossibility of the murders at the tower and how he yeah. breaks it down factually and how his list of these forensic facts with each passing one just make you squirm more and more like that's, mm -hmm. you know, any movie that could do that even a couple of times. And this movie's mm -hmm. got at least six, seven of these sort of creepy yeah. underpinning things that it rolls out that are really, really strong. I really like, I really like the photographs too. Um, without spoiling it, I thought the, the extra ending at the end was kind of lame, but. Well, let me just comment on that real quick. Cause when I first saw it, I did call that out in my review. I said that was stupid, but it didn't bother me this time. I don't, I don't hmm. know what the interesting. Different Sometimes moves. when you know it's coming, you're not as sort yeah. of jarred by it. I found that with with when I revisit things, like when I'm prepared for so whatever bad. it was I didn't like, I'm I'm kind of cool with it the yeah. second time through. Yeah. It happened. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I, I want to hear Rob. I want to hear Rob on this. Sorry, I was going to well, chime in. Again. I just wanted to say. Um, I loved the uh, right-wing radio guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I felt like that play <laughs> was so real. Oh, like, yeah. Is he you a know, real he guy was from back there? Yeah. Uh, you can't and, be too broad. We know right. that now. I mean, you really can't yeah. play that too hard, and it, it, it's going to work, and I agree with you. I thought well, it was kind of awesome. Real quick, Rob, I don't want to interrupt, but I think what's interesting, too, about the film is that it does look at something so political in the context of, this crime yeah. document. I thought that was kind of brilliant. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, and to kind of see yep. both sides of it. And, and it, it's weird because I thought the, the, the falsely accused photographer, I thought that because there's so much of it, because there's really more of that than almost anything else in the movie. I thought that was a little heavy handed, but when I think about it, cause I sit there and go, well, how, okay, then how would I do it? You kind of have to do it that way. It kind of has to be about that. So that the other thing that it's really about, I think if it doesn't roll out as slow and deliberately as it does the the actual evidence, I don't think it'd be as creepy and I think you'd lose kind of what it was. So yeah, it's tough to. And his English was too on, on the nose folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I would, I would say about uh, most of the uh, immigrants that they interviewed. Uh, they, they were all, you know, they were all just, very uh there was there was nothing I mean, there was they they spoke as if they have all like born and raised uh in and, and you know this but his, is a low his sister i like that so. they did the sister yeah. the way they oh did. yeah for sure yeah mm -hmm. and, and the other go ahead the other thought i had was the photographs um it reminded me of like the ring where mm -hmm. you have you have this video that just a series of creepy images that just kind of stick with you yeah. long after the movie ends. And I found that with these photographs. The one in the bush in particular, it was yeah. Yeah. just yeah. so wrong. And, yep. and, and, really and the well fact wrong. that, and the fact that the, the movie, um, 
I kept I kept waiting to be disappointed in the sense of I kept waiting for them to go and this looks like that legend that we once heard of and uh-huh. blah blah blah. But they never did that. They just let the photos be the photos, and you don't ever know. It's no. never no one even hypothesizes what it actually is. And and I'm like that. Well done. Thank that was yeah. great. That that is exactly. Uh, what I what I had hoped is that just don't don't tell me what it is that I'm seeing. Just let me see the creepiness. Yeah. Well, one of the other really big benefits of the film, and I noticed this on the second because this is only the second time. I didn't ever want to see this again because it impressed me so much the first time. I'm like, I, don't I think I remember you talking about this. I think yeah, I remember you talking about going. It, I don't ever want to see this again. No, but it no. was, uh, yeah. but it was the fact that I don't know if you noticed this, and I'm curious uh, your thoughts on this because the images when they had regular people in there, they were in focus, but that means that whatever else is appearing in there, don't want to spoil, is in super fast motion. Are you noticing that? I mean, is it, mm-hmm. am I, did, so it's, there's kind of an extra layer of creepiness of what they were moving like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, they're yeah. from some dimension that yeah. can be photographed it's like. Especially that culminating uh, photo that he takes where in the he's, school? Yeah, where he's that in the photo so with the upsetting. with the fence. It, no, it really is, and oh and it God. it's not. They don't. Yep. They don't cheat. They don't give you that in flashes. They show it to you on screen for a long period of time while people are talking, and it's and it's very very effective. So so there were. Uh, yeah. I'm constantly throughout. There were little, you know, little things that I was like, eh, me, yeah, meh. but. Yeah. You know, it's not Blair Witch Project. They didn't just point the camera and, and let magic happen. This was it's a very planned out, mm-hmm. choreographed thing that they put together in this this news program. And you're going to get, anytime you're trying to just be real people, you're going to get those moments of in, in authenticity. And I don't think it, yeah. with, you know, your second film excluded, where I really don't feel like yeah. there's any of that. But but that's the exception. You're going to have some of that. These aren't famous actors. They're not their... Yeah. They're what they had, and it's it it just plays it plays out really good, and it's and it does get under your skin for sure. There's no question. Yeah, it's the, really the well executed. Yeah, it's yeah. really well executed. I mean, ultimately, um, like I said, it's not as good as I remember, but I still think it's pretty it's still impressive. Pretty, it's still pretty and great I, again, for what it's it is. The details. Oh, oh, it's yeah. like yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think, uh, it, and real quick, going back to the you know we talked about the the ending. I think that's ultimately what. What lets the uh, what lets the the very very end down is that it's just not as well executed as yeah. the rest of as the rest of the film because we've been dealing in photographs mm-hmm. and then and then we try they at the very end tried to introduce a video element and it just wasn't executed uh, as as well and well, the um, the very lead up to it you know like that it was spreading yeah. is great and it's yes. terrifying that is great yes yeah um, and just no, you're, one yeah. more one more quick thing i mean the thing that stuck with me i mean something like the the bush image is terrifying but the very initial image of all those figures up on the hill that are all contorted i'm like this is just mm-hmm. not and you guys know me well enough that's right at my wheelhouse so sure, sure. the fact that when because you don't know that for the first 20 30 minutes yeah. that that's where this is going and so right. that was just an immense joy for me to realize this is my movie. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking right to me. Well, you saw, it at a, you saw it at a horror festival, so you must have yeah. known it was somewhere. What was the, well, so, I knew it was horror, but I didn't know it was what it ended up being. Sure, sure. What was the reaction in the room? 
no, this is what's great because it was, you know, Elwood and I are old. So we didn't go to this midnight showing. I'm like, hell no. So we ended up getting the screener on our drive back from Utah. And we oh, watched okay. it in our hotel room. And I literally wrote the review as soon as I was done. And I think the quote they used on the DVD was me saying, um, well, so much for a good night's sleep because I was <laughs> really messed it's up. It's a good line. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I've always said, and I believe this to be true, those found found footage movies and faux documentaries play better on TV than they do on the big screen, in oh, my sure. opinion. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because they are intimate little things, and their their scars yeah. don't show as much in that setting where they where it feels like they belong. And I th I can see how this film yeah. might even be... It'd been fun to watch it with an audience to see what Joel's asking, what those reactions were. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't but, know. But both of your double features are something that would show on television. So right. watching it that way makes yeah. a lot... It's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, let's jump into the, the movie you paired this with. Uh, 2008's Lake Mungo. Um... Lake Mungo is an Australian film. I discovered this just randomly. I wasn't reviewing it this time, so it was a random thing. But I can say, uh, the best thing I can say about it is the moment we finished this film, and this is before I was you know, doing journalism and everything, I sat down to write a blog where I said, these are the 21 most frightening images in horror because of what I saw at the end of Lake Mungo. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I can't process what I've just experienced. So I'm like, let me write this down. And I, I agree with what Ryan said. This one is, in for my my money, it's seamless. It doesn't have any of the little hiccups that Savage it, it Land might have. It doesn't let the performance cracks, to, in my opinion, show no. at all, which and, was stunning. And the, <laughs> the, the basic setup is this um, Australian middle-class family. They go to this, um, this dam, this reservoir. Their daughter uh, ends up drowning. Um, and then they basically start having experiences in their house and it's it's very similar to savage land as far as its interviews documentary style crime footage crime photos and i'd forgotten how much photographs which i was like great this is an even better double feature than i thought the <laughs> right. photographs are so important for both of them yeah they are but it's it is um it is a mystery that mm. unravels with a lot of uh twists and turns and this one is we I, again the rewatch it was the same i didn't have the same wallop that i had the first time except for the the very ending which is what sparked this blog of like what these images that terrified me and it's that still this last what, two days ago scared the hell out of me because it's it's not just the image of it but what it represents it's it's a really really good movie like you said the acting from all of these actors playing real people in a crime documentary, they all sell it, the mother particularly. Yeah. Great movie. I thought that um, of the two films, this one felt more like an authentic, like if you just, you weren't checking things, you just turned on a channel yeah. and this was on, you got sucked in, you might believe this was real. For <laughs> yes. sure. The other one, you're not going to do that. The no. other one's, scarier maybe you know throughout and and creepy images and stuff like that mm -hmm. but this one felt like this one they caught the authenticity they the because and i i believe that's because one the geopoliticalness is absent it's not there and yeah. so they're not really going they're not preaching about anything in a roundup even a roundabout sort of way savage right. land doesn't come right at you with that but it 
it it it repeats it so much that you can't not know what their yeah. point of view on the thing is. Also, um, it they're not Savage Land brilliantly comments on the art form itself. <laughs> it's 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 almost it's not or it would fall apart, but it's almost a satire on this sort of documentary making whereas uh, like rob you, you said you you really could come across this even the yeah. way this film even the way like mungo again i don't i don't want to spoil any because I, I recommend everybody see this if they can um anybody who likes just a scary story a ghost story um that's complicated that 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 doesn't hold back emotionally this story more than anything is about grief and loss and the mm-hmm. intense weight of those things on these people that are left behind after this incident. And that I love that about it. But what I love most was that it really, it, it, it even debunks itself enough that you it makes you believe it. And then when you're hit with something that is inexplicable, you, you're, it, it's just guided it's- you into this place where you're just ready to feel it completely. And I, I, Lake Mungo is it's aces. I mean, I've I've heard about it for a long time. I've I've seen it on those those lists. You know, Dread Central's got a uh, fifty yeah. scariest moments. This is in the top ten somewhere, like eight. The the cell phone footage, and it's hard to argue with it. it well, it's, it's it, it's an it's a really really well done tale. Well, it, it kind of does end with a a little bit of closure, I guess, for lack of a better word, but then the post-credit sequence is just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Because you, if you, if you go back, because since I'd seen this once more, I knew what was coming. Uh-huh. So I was looking at the photographs, yeah. you know, to be like, am I going to see what they're going to ultimately show us? Right. And, and you do. You can. Yes. You do. And it's, but I, I, I agree with you, Ryan. It's, it's, it's so much about grief, which is, I always think what is so great about really good horror is that the horror is is incidental that it is about these people and their their issues and their dysfunction and and certainly one thing that really popped out to me on the second time I'd completely forgotten um, was the next door neighbor subplot which was disgusting yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so shocked and I, I was almost like I don't know if you need this but it also makes sense because they talk all the way throughout about she's a secret keeper. Yeah, you know, and so it made sense within what they were doing, but it was just really upsetting. The only I didn't, I mean, yeah, I, I want to say I didn't mind that. I was affected by that, and I sort of, I, I, I think I'm not sure if you break it down bit by bit if that needs to be there. I'm with you, but yeah. when you're in the moment, it works perfectly, so I have no problem with it. I mean, yeah. I, you you have to sacrifice some of that after an analysis stuff for what you're getting in the moment. The only part of it I didn't like, or the only plot misstep was, um, Alice, the young woman who drowns, she has this weird previous relationship with somebody who comes into their lives that I, I'm not sure what they got dramatically out of that turn. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I disagree. I mean, if you, that final few moments where the mother is talking to the medium, the yeah. psychic, no, it makes 100% sense how that matches up. Okay. I, I like all I, of I this stuff. I might have missed something because cause I, I just felt like that's weird that they went into all this and you know what I mean? I just thought the whole thing was no, weird. No, it ties, it ties together. I think it's great. Yeah. Good. But all of these little side things, the creepy neighbor and all that stuff, it just makes it feel more real because Agreed. in a real true crime investigation or whatever, 
they're they're going to increase they're going to give you all these little details that they discover and it may not be because it's not a fictional film it's not plot driven right this is what happened and i think that really messy and it it, yeah it it feels a little disjointed and that just makes it all the more feel more all the more up feels less scripted more authentic it it brings it more authenticiousness I'm glad you like guys like this one because I think it's it's extremely unknown. There there's it's I think it was released in 2008 as one of those eight films to die for like it was part yeah. of a series that was released. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just got it disappeared like it didn't and then I mean I think it's one of those for me one of the most powerful like film discoveries for me for horror in which I've been watching for 100 years it's like and to find something that you know, with that much punch is, is a dream, you know? And it's even a, like a, I said, the it's second... a gorgeous to oh, muted man. moody, you know, as much as you can and still have it be a, a TV show. It, it has this wonderful atmosphere and it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't fall into the trap of shooting Australia, like a big place. It's very intimate, even though the, yeah. The scenes in the woods and the scenes down by the water and stuff are all work great visually, but they they keep it tight in a really great way and still make the most out of what they have. It's that's really it's really really smart the people who made it. Um, yeah. There's a great feature on the Blu-ray that I bought from the UK, which is region free, so anybody can play it. That's not always true of Blu-rays from the UK. Um, uh, the two guys who did uh, Aaron Moorhead and uh, what's I can't remember the other oh, guy. Oh, the Endless. Yeah, the Endless guys. They they are on there. They have this just appreciation interview where for ten oh, minutes wow. they just talk about how like minded these people are and how inspired they were by the film. And it's it, that was it was neat to see these my little indie heroes like saying well, you come to the right place, you know. It's, yeah. yeah I mean, neat. my the last thing I'll say is that I. I even now it's been two days since the second viewing, but it is that that important cell phone footage. It it stuck with me for days and days and days. Like still with that's me. E- that's still something that when I get up in the middle of the night to take a leak, that image will come up when I have to go out into the hallway to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's one of those things. Like that's what I'm going to encounter in the hallway is this this image, and it's well, not. It's yeah. yeah. And the the seance images and st- everything leading up to ah. it too, or they're all. Ah. Yeah, I don't want to get into what, no. what is what or what the whys and wherefore is. You should watch the movie for that. But the uh, really all of these moments that are built into the thing, r- real or imagined, are all really really powerful. And that's that's what that's what strings you along so brilliantly. And that's a good movie. It's really really good. I mean, Savage Land's quite good for what it is. It's definitely in that top tier of faux documentaries. Um, this is something else. This is that, and it's entirely something else. Like it, the whole thing affects you on a completely different level as well. And that's yeah. that there, is there, very special. There was one low moment in Lake Mungo that I just like, just felt so bizarre. I, I'm not sure why it was included when they have to drive backwards in reverse home. I loved that. I like that too. I, it was so weird. It's just, yeah. I, I'm with you. It is weird, but it, it's, it's one of those details where it's just odd and strange and that, and it, it's, it, yeah, it I, doesn't I like play into it, it, it plays into later. the fact in my mind that without spoiling it, there's something interdimensionally going on here. 
So them driving backwards just seemed to be like, of course. <laughs> you know. uh, but but even absent any metaphorical value that it has which it has a little it it's just one of those weird things their car was broken their only way out of this horrible place was to do Drive this backwards. have to do this stupid thing like it's just one of those details that you know films loaded with that stuff. i agree with not you. not quite as any purpose rob it's yeah. just well it, I, it may though think think it on feels... it some it may yeah. serve thematic purpose Maybe. actually but but it it its thematic purpose isn't immediately obvious, which is good because I think if it was, you'd feel you'd feel the manipulation of it. A sure. Instead, it's yeah. just this it's just this weird thing that adds to the specificity of the tragedy. I I, I adored that as yeah. well, even though well, in, I, I in the so moment I wasn't able to put. I was so any excited when you guys did the, the lead up uh, post for you know tomorrow's posting of this that you use the Mungo uh, image that made me very happy. I'm like, yay. Yeah, it's just the po People movie poster. People liked my choices so, this week. Or yeah. it's the Australian movie poster, the U.S. movie poster. is terrible. Yeah. Um, but the the Australian movie poster is pretty fantastic. And real quick, so. shout out to the mother, the actress that played the mother. I don't know her name offhand, but that's some solid acting work. Well, that's the whole geez. family, the brother, too, yeah. because that's not an but easy mom, role to do. And in particular, that, I think when she's reading the diary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just well, in general, yeah. shout out to the mother. Shout I just like saying shout word to the shout mother. To the, word to the shout mother. Out to the mother. Yeah. Uh, um, it the whole movies like the moments with the sister from from Savage Land, where that's yeah. where I I'm agree with Rob. That's where that one really really lives emotionally. The tragedy, yeah. the pictures of him as a child and stuff. This yeah. whole film is that is stuff that, that. from You're right. uh in a very calm. And what feels like a very uh, um, objective, as you can be, way of storytelling, it still is that. And what you realize when it's over is it's been that relentlessly the whole movie, and yeah. you you just sort of you just sort of exhale at the end of it. Agreed. And, and you're mm -hmm. left After you're left you with, you're left with being haunted by it because I, I some really good writers said you know it's there's there's what you can put into there's all these levels you can push where you, of what you can the horror that you can put in a person's eyes but what mm -hmm. you plant in their mind that you don't even show them is what sticks with them after an experience like this well, and i think this Well i agree because yes the on. the image itself is horrifying but then when you start to really think about what it could represent it's that's the meaning, you're right the meaning it starts of it all, to really yeah. dig at you exactly yeah. right all right. Well, let's. Um, so equally as uh, yeah, great double feature, Michael. Um, equally scary, uh, in my opinion, as uh, as f f weird creatures taking out an entire town or uh, <laughs> not knowing what the heck happened to your daughter as she drowned in a lake uh, is um, high school in Beverly Hills. And um, and that brings us to um, my double feature uh, pick. We're going to um, start with 1995's Clueless, uh, directed by Amy Heckerling, starring Alicia Silverstone. It is the it is a modern retelling of Jane Austen's classic Emma opening very soon at the Guthrie Theater. Uh, if you're um, if you live in the Twin Cities, go see it. Um, but yeah, so we have. Uh, um, 
Uh, I, uh, I mean, I, I adore Clueless. Uh, Clueless is a super, uh, is super fun and filled with um, just silly, over the top characters uh, and and and, uh, and great humor. I feel like I don't need to sell Clueless because y'all, Clueless rules. Um, so, and if you haven't seen Clueless, what are you doing? What are you doing yeah. with your life? It's Paul Rudd. It's Paul Rudd, early Paul Rudd. Uh, yeah, all Paul Rudd movies are good. Doc, I agree. The movie show with Joel and Ryan. Take that to bed Except with you. Except for Halloween Resurrection. I'm no, sorry, they're, Halloween um, 6. They're at more than half of them uh, are crap. But no, yeah, Clueless but, uh, is not among the bad movies. It's no. a very, very good one. Clueless, yeah. Clueless is, is really great. It's it's it it Amy Heckerling, it's uh, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High that 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 knowing just what buttons to push in terms of telling a story about high school life. Um, she's, well, she, more she's it's able the to do juggling that of the big ensemble too, and making each yeah. moment that you spend with them count throughout. Which the clueless, which both movies are really, really good at. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't. This was the only one on our our list of eight films that I wasn't able to get back to. But I mean, I've seen it enough times that I know what I like and everything. So, I we my husband and I quote this on a daily basis as far as. Um, you're a virgin who can't drive. I mean, that comes up at least once a day. Oh, that was way <laughs> harsh, Ty. And I think my my favorite thing about this, it's such a great cast and Paul Rudd is so young and so delicious and he looks exactly the same as he does now. But my my thing is, I think this is one of Brittany Murphy's first big roles, right? Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. that she kind of steals the show for me. I think everything she does is she's just she's a comic genius you know and so whenever she's Brittany Murphy screen, was really really good really good actor yeah. mm -hmm. but everyone else yeah. is great but I for me it's like Ty was always the character that I always was so interested in um and the other last thing I'll say is the other quote we do is you know when she's stuck up at circus liquor in the valley which I know where that is so every time we're in the <laughs> valley it's like where are you I'm in the valley I'm like now being a, a, an Angelino, that's that has all this extra joy for me. But Clueless is is fantastic. Like if it's on mm -hmm. flipping channels, I'm like, of course I'm going to sit and watch a few minutes. You know, mm -hmm. it's a great movie. I like uh, that both both of your your picks, Joel, are really fun, really creative, really faithful, modern retellings of, of these books. It, it's yeah. kind of amazing. I think uh, anytime you put Wallace Shawn in something, mm -hmm. um, you're good. You, that raises the level. He, he can yep. just, his reactions to all the kids, what they're doing, because it's exactly ours. It's like, how, how can you be this vapid? Uh, the other thing I, 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 I love Dan Hedea as the father. Yeah. He's yep. great. He has a line that has stuck with me. You divorce uh, spouses, not kids. Uh, when he's talking about Paul Rudd, why he still yep. comes over yeah. as part of the family. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is Alicia Silverstone's best role that sure. she's ever had. Yeah, this is oh, what yeah. she'll be remembering. I think she's fantastic yeah. in it. Uh, because it's not easy to play. You have to be smart enough to play the bimbo, the, the person who just doesn't get it, right. the unreliable narrator. Uh, and I think, I think she's great in it. Um, she's better in this than she is in Ken Brana's Love's Labor's Lost. 
had to sneak that in. Uh, yeah, <laughs> way better. No, she um, she's never yeah, been I better mean, than she is in this. She's really yeah, really good. No, yeah, agreed. Uh, she yeah she's you know and then yeah this movie did uh, you know it it was you know this was one of Jeremy Sisto's first. Breck and Meyer, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Donald Faison, Brittany Murphy. Uh, you know, we had a lot of people getting, um, uh, you know, that, that had their careers, if not launched, um, you know, certainly enhanced off of, uh, off of this. Yeah, yeah, uh, I would, you know, that's the, the two movies that I, I chose. Yeah, that's one of the things that I, uh, it is a very faithful. Uh, you know, hitting each of those beats, um, retelling of, of Jane Austen. Yeah, without drama. getting ahead of myself, they are both, I mean, they both, because it isn't completely faithful. Clueless doesn't, it, it, I've seen many, many versions of Emma, though I've never read it, but I've seen many, many versions of Emma to know that the, that um, Cher is, is, is the, is only the, the essence of that character crank way, way up. And that the reason the movie's so funny is because it leans so heavily into the, the limitations of her worldview, the intense limitations of her worldview, which is something that Emma actually doesn't have so much of a problem with. Um, my favorite, I mean, the thing that makes me laugh the hardest in Clueless, and it's been a while since I've seen it, but when she, when she, <laughs> when she, donates the downhill skis to charity mm -hmm. uh, you know that's so stupid and yet the film the, but but it's also sweet and well-meaning in a it's just a glorious way so so it, it's not the film doesn't have the attitude but it doesn't have any of the nuance zero of the nuances compared to an actual jane austen adaptation jane sure. these, these people were living breathing people and they come to life to you in that way in clueless they just it's enough that by the end of clueless because it's so consistent and it's sort of superficiality and it's it, the relentlessness of the vacuousness of the people is that just mm -hmm. the hint that they're real people that you get by the end of it or the just the couple of moments that you get throughout it are enough that for you to go something huge happened here you know people don't change and yet here there are these little bits of evidence of of awakening that are you know that are encouraged so it has all the heart it has the it brilliantly takes each big moment from emma and creates some genius modern day equivalent thing out of it you know mm -hmm. the, taking the picture for to hang in uh sisto's locker you know all that and those little plot bits i mean it's so it's it's genius, but it's mm -hmm. not anything you can that satisfies any sort of sense of reality that you can really wrap your arms around. And I think it loses. I think I don't think that's a criticism. It's just it's a way where it's not a brilliant adaptation of Emma. It it very conveniently leaves the nuances of character at the door. Not completely. The father is a good example of where it kind of nails it. There's other places too, but. That that but that's it's that's its formula for success. Rock, Roxanne too. Sorry to spoil the next movie, but <laughs> people probably read what the show was about. It does the same thing brilliantly. It takes the structure, the the brilliant, well written play, the all the thematic richness and stuff. But it but it loses something of something in translation as you'd expect it would have to. 
I think. Yeah. Well, let's move on to that next film. That let's move on. Uh, the, 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 the movie but I, I'm not ripping on is, Clueless. Uh, I really, really like it. I just I don't want people to think it's Jane Austen worthy. It steals her plot and it's the idea of her characters, and it presents you characters as ideas and as archetypes pretty much throughout. And the young cast who if they weren't awesome would be adrift in that, I think. And yet they all bring people to the party in a way. I'm not sure the script or the movie necessarily does, which is a feather sure. in their cap. I, I think. Uh, th so yeah, like, uh, the movie that it's paired with is, uh, is 1987's Roxanne, um, which is one of my most, I, I love this movie uh, unabashedly. It is my favorite adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac. <laughs> um, and I, it is not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I love it. It is Steve Martin. It is Daryl Hannah uh, telling, um, telling the story of uh, a, the fire chief of a small town in California uh, who um, happens to have a very large nose and I think they're um, technically in Colorado. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say, what did I say? California. I think it's Washington. Think it's Nelson, it's Washington, Washington is where they're they from. They mentioned something it, about it. was shot in Nelson, British Columbia. I just watched it before I tuned in with you guys, ate pizza, and watched Roxanne. It's Nelson, Washington. Not but that it, I meant to interrupt you, Joel. I just wanted to be a dick. Sorry. No, I. But not no, Colorado I, I, and I, not California, neither. Washington. Um, Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, it, yeah. So in a uh, but the Pacific a small woodland, a small woodland town. Woodland. There you go. Um, uh, yeah. So he, but yeah, based on um, based on uh, Edmund Rostand's Cyrano de Bergerac, uh, we have uh, yeah, it is um, screenplay written by uh, Steve Martin. Um, it is witty. It is uh, it is smart. It is kind. It is uh, yeah. It, it, to me, it's got all these great. It, it's got all this great um, Steve Martin isms all over the place. Uh, uh, and yeah, yeah. But those the neat thing about Roxanne is for the first time, really, all eighties. Those those also go away when we don't need them in a really magical way. Like he comes mm -hmm. down to earth in uh, several moments in it where it's not all his mugging that he does. Well, sure. Oh yeah. 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 That's a great, yeah, that is a great point because up until then, yeah, it, he had been, you know, everything had been uh, very much kind of based on any of his Saturday night live characters or the jerk or anything like that. Uh, well, three it, amigos is, uh, came out the same three, year. Yeah. He pennies this from is, heaven. Yeah, the, there had been a couple exceptions throughout, but he, 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 I mean, that thing where he goes to slide down the, the banister and he just sits there and doesn't slide. So he just hops off. Like I just, I always love mm -hmm. that. That's so funny. That's classic Steve Martin, like physical humor. But I really do believe for a lot of people that they, they get to see him for the first time as something of a dramatic romantic lead. That's not just a clown. Um, he's got plenty of both, but. It helps this, that he. This shows his intelligence. Yeah, it helps as that a, he populates the film with a bunch of side clowns, which really yeah. allows him to kind of go for it without, uh, and still be a guy you can take seriously in the story, which I like. Sorry. Um, I my history. I had this recorded off of HBO back in the day, Ooh. and I want to say it's been thirty years since I've seen it, and I watched it last night. I hated it. I hated it with a passion. Oh, oh wow. my 
God. I'm sorry, Joel, because I know you love it, but I'm like, I was angry at how bad this movie was. Really? Oh my God. I didn't like one of the characters. I didn't find anything funny besides the four old ladies. And that was it. That was the only thing after last night's screening that I could recommend. I hated it. Like I, I literally was angry. I'm like, this is terrible. Like wow. the, the characters are gross. Wow. There's no one that you like. Daryl Hannah, they set her up as this intelligent right. and then she turns out to be a bimbo. Well, and then she it does have some problems. It just, it, the no, transition just, yeah. to uh, modern day gives it some problems that the original Cyrano doesn't well, have in the Just plot. beyond that, I like I'm, I was thinking about all of me, which I adore. And I love uh, Martin Schick in that because it's all justified. I mean, Edwina Cutwater is inside of him. She's moving his body. Right. In this, it's just what is what is the point of all the the I, it didn't make any sense to me all the physical nonsense i'm like i don't i don't understand i i literally was you don't see why you don't movie. see why a guy who has grown up with this sort of deformity his whole life would 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 act out and even talk to himself out of insecurity and would I, I always be that, joking I, and never really wanting to show his true feelings to I, himself or the rest of his town i can see your point but that didn't play for me last night what so, about the character of Andy by Michael J. Pollard? What about fun. him? I do like Michael I mean, J. Pollard. Yeah, <laughs> that's too. a great character. There's a character in there that you can like, right? Okay, there He's you go. Hilarious. I'm saying as far as the leads, I there was nothing for me to <laughs> care about you people. I Particularly Daryl Hannah and Rick Rossovich. You're terrible people. Well, yeah. I mean, the, let's, the whole let's talk about that a second the, without without quite so much vitriol, because I, I have a problem with them too, and this is what it is. I'll just try and be analytical about it. So as so that everyone here is raining on Joel's parade. Um, oh, I love I, Clueless. <laughs> um, it, it is problematic. Cyrano de Bergerac takes place where these guys are soldiers and they're at war. And the, the, the jock basically goes off and dies at war and martyrs himself for this sort of fraudulent love affair that he started. It's still very, very funny, but there's this weight there. Also, Cyrano in Cyrano de Bergerac has been friend-zoned by Roxanne before ever we meet them. In this, we meet them for the first time, right. and he's charming, and there's no real reason that she shouldn't shouldn't like everything about him when it turns out that really everything about him is what turns her on in the end. So I, I do know, feel like the the modern day changes do sort of, you well, take the same plot, which is very comedic and very clever. And I think Martin did a pretty great job adapting it. I just think there's some pitfalls. Uh, Rosevich's character, obviously not dying, saving a cat in a fire because you don't want it to be that kind of movie, but he doesn't. So what does he do? He just finds another girl that's perfect for him halfway through the movie. Yeah. And that makes, that makes even his, cause Christian and Cyrano loves Roxanne. He just, yeah, he just can't, he just can't deliver what she wants. And I've always found Roxanne to be problematic in both versions because she holds a really, really high standard. And I found that if you're into somebody for whatever reason, physically, whatever it is, it's very much like the Sandy scene at the bar mm -hmm. with the cards Everything you do is right. Everything you do works. If the person's into you, you can't, you really can't F it up. And if they're not into you, I can assure this crowd and anyone listening, 
There are no magic words you can say to them that will change their mind. If there were, I'd have found them long ago. You just, they're, they're not into you, and you just kind of have to accept that that's the deal and leave the poetry at the door. So I've always found both versions of the story sort of problematic from that standpoint. But it's, but you guys, it's romantic. It's romanticism. It's, it's not meant to be so literal. It's, no, I think I'm, it's worthy I, I, of being, of those things being discussed, but it's... I'm not, I'm not familiar with the, I think I saw the, the Gerard de Perdue a hundred years ago. I don't know any that's much a good more one. than that about, about Cyrano. So I can't speak to how truthful it is to the original, but I'm, I didn't like the structure of this. It was so episodic and I, and things kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he had the five second talk with, uh, you know, Sandy in the bar. And then the next scene he's running away. I'm like, what? There's yeah. too much it, of yeah. that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, it didn't. It's an hour and 40 well romantic me. comedy. That's adapting a 900 page play or whatever. Like I sure, saw, but it. then yeah. don't do it. If you can't do it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Roxanne's I, I, beloved Michael. So you, I understand that. So, I so the argument that they just shouldn't have made it because you didn't like it when you watched it this week. is Well, that of, is my opinion. Yeah, exactly. no, fair enough, but they but, should I mean, have I didn't, made it. I didn't dislike it as a child. I don't, but I everything about but it. But then you failed. put away childish things, and now you don't. I guess. I, I, I remember yeah. in college, uh, in, a, in a course that Ted taught, um, we watched, we read the play, Roxanne, and then we watched the Jose Ferrer classic film. And I had already seen the Gerard Depardieu film um, and loved that. And I thought that the Jose Ferrer one was just it, like it missed all the heart of it. Um, I, I think I was too close to it, having just read it and recently seen a really great adaptation to, to see that. And I, I think I wrote in my essay or whatever that why did they even make this? This shouldn't have been made. And boy, did Ted lay into me. <laughs> I was like, we don't censor our art. And, you know, it's just like, okay, okay, okay. Um, Classic here's, Ted. Here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. Um, the character of Cyrano, or, or in this case, CD, uh, to, to me, what I, I've always uh, loved about this character um, in any version that I've either read or seen, um, and luckily I was able to do this show, uh, a, a live version of the show, um, is, uh, you know, this uh, Cyrano is a person who uh, he censors himself. He hates himself. Right. And, and he tries to cover it by being the greatest warrior, the greatest wit, the greatest communicator. The, the, and, but all of it, all everything that he is, is in service of trying to cover this thing that he hates about himself. And um, and to me, that is that's the tragedy of the real thing of the real play, because the, in the real uh, in the real story, he, you know, he, he doesn't end up with the girl at the end. Uh, it's, it's, it's too late. He, you know, but it's all, everything that he is, is a ruse because it's all in service to, to the fact that he himself, it, it, Steve Martin talks about, uh, or, I mean, uh, the, the CD has that line where he's like, you know, sometimes I, I see couples or whatever at night and, and, um, and I'm like, why not me? Why not me? And then I catch my reflection or I catch my shadow. 
Um, and it's just, it's this thing that he, he himself cannot get past. And it's, it's that whole thing of how is anybody supposed to love you if you cannot love yourself? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is, that is one of the great, uh, that is one of the great tragedies of the story. And it's one of the successes of this story that, uh, that Roxanne in, in this, in the movie Roxanne, uh, helps him discover you know, it's it's her acceptance of his physical deformity uh, at the end that leads you to believe that he's going to be able to start accepting this in himself. Uh, it, it it flips it on its head. It is if just one person believes in you, well, then maybe you can start believing in you too. Uh, so that that is those that's the themes that have always resonated with me with this movie, and one of the uh, why I. Uh, adore this movie is because those those things really really uh, I really connect to them. So well, it's that's I mean that's, I I totally see everything you're talking about thematically. That none of that was lost on me. I just think the presentation for me didn't give enough reverence to that. I guess like the first scene has boing boing noises and it's like I don't yeah, it, it was true. so odd. Kevin and, Neal inciting like, everybody by the way. You know, um, so none of those things are lost on me and I can understand why that would, you know, but it's, I I guess it was just the telling and, and the performances and how, I guess, like Ryan said, how they modernized it, that Mm -hmm. none of that, none of that. Well, it's a big, old, romantic, sweeping thing that in Mm -hmm. in its modernized way, some of the meaning is, is just by its, for no reason, no fault, but it's just. Mm-hmm. subverted because it's brought into an age where there are other solutions for these things. The rhinoplasty that they joke about throughout is a good example. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, There's thematic reasons why he doesn't go through that, but the movie doesn't... The movie pitter-patters around those ideas and doesn't come right out and say them, which is frustrating. I will say a few things before we move on from it that I love about it. Um, Fred Skepsi, I like the way he shoots films. I love the the widescreen Panavision photography for a light romantic comedy. I think that that epicness of the forest and the with the the sense of location where they live is very very vivid. Um, mm-hmm. I love Shelley Duvall in it. Just a few mm-hmm. little side things. Oh, and I really um, Bruce Seaton, who's a really really great Australian uh, uh, composer. I really don't like his saxophone oh, it's music, bad. but it. it it was oh, 80, 1987, so I don't know. I it was, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oof, yeah. Because um, he's done uh, well, good you know, scores, but, you know, uh, Picnic mm-hmm. and Hanging Rock and Iceman, and I mean, he's he's done really, really good music, but this score is like, man. Yeah. So we, we need to move on, but I do, I do just want to acknowledge what we always say here on the movie show with Joel and Ryan is you can have your opinion, whether it agrees with ours or you're wrong. So, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, no. well, I'm, I'm terrified uh, now to go on to my movies. I don't want anyone to hate them. Uh, no, we're, yeah, let's so move. Much. Let's let's move on to uh, a couple of Sherlock Holmes films. Uh, this is Sherlock Holmes making another appearance on the movie show with Joel and Ryan. <laughs> You, Joel, you hadn't seen these when we did the Sherlock Holmes show, had you? Or had you? Uh, I Well, I had seen 7% Solution like a long, long time ago. Okay. Uh, I'd never seen Murder by Decree. 
um, which I have since um, uh, remedied. Um, but yeah, so yeah, these. So what these, these are, are just in a fun. nutshell, and then I'll open it up to the forum. But they're just postmodern, um, you know, non-Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes stories. Seven Percent Solution was a a novel written, or it's, it's kind of a small novel. It's not a novella though. It's like a small novel um, written um, during a writer's strike by Nicholas Meyer, one of our favorites here on the show. And it's largely considered the greatest non-Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes story ever written because it's got its own sort of mystery and its own unique take on the, on a, on the, on the man. It expands on the legend of the thing without, and examines it while still sort of giving you a, a mystery. I think the mystery itself is actually not super satisfying, but I really love all the other things, the character bits and stuff. So that's my love affair with Nick Meyer and, and 7% Solution. And then um, Murder by Decree, I'll just do them now and we can mix and match them if we want. Uh, Murder by Decree is, is the second big film, Hollywood film, where uh, Sherlock Holmes takes on Jack the Ripper case. Uh, the first was A Study in Terror, which is a fun movie, which I thought about doing both of those, but I think I think that's unfair. I think these two Sherlock Holmes stories are different enough that we can have them as a double feature. I think those two, if you put the, if you put Murdered by Decree and Study in Terror in the same thing, you, you pit them against each other in a way that I didn't really want to do. So... I went with my favorite, which is 1979's uh, Murder by Decree by Bob Clark, which it's one of the coolest things about it is its theory of the crime, which is really, really cool, but is not the screenwriter's. It, 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 it's repeated verbatim in um, Alan Moore's From Hell and also in that film adaptation, the theory of what Jack the Ripper was and why he was doing what he did are the same because it was created by a Jack the Ripper theorist, basically. It's often called the Royal Ripper Theory. I can't remember who the who the the guys who came up with it is. It's obviously it's it's total BS, but it's very intricate and has a lot of moving parts and makes for a pretty cool mystery to solve and a a, a plot to experience. And I think that's that's sort of the strength of that. As well as the these guys are all guys you know. They're cliches. Holmes Watson, even Sigmund Freud to a lesser degree, like these are all things that the game, I think, in a lot of respects is how do you have enough of the cliche to satisfy audiences' desire to see another story about these people, and yet how do you kind of make them real enough that a modern telling of the, the sort of thing will work from a, and pay off in a, in a character way, so I think both of these movies, very different ways, but but do that pretty well. So, uh, 7% solution, uh, Watson tricks Holmes into going to Vienna to be seen by Sigmund Freud to kick his cocaine habit because he's recently read an article or something where Freud did that for somebody else. Um, and the way he tricks him is kind of ingenious. Uh, before I let you guys kind of have at it, it my, one of my favorite things is Laurence Olivier as the mastermind villain Mor professor moriarty is just this guy who holmes in his cocaine induced um paranoia has decided as a supervillain and and whatever he does he he creates a narrative that he this is this guy that has to be stopped and 
Olivier beautifully plays him as this frail, frightened professor of mathematics who just wants to be left alone. And I mean, I that <laughs> that it's it's played well, but it's not so brilliant. It's just the idea of that is it's a fun twist and it's a fun way to start the story in the movie where you're like, this isn't going to be what you're used to. And yet look at these guys. They, they are kind of what you're used to. The, the dog who <laughs> they <laughs> manipulate into getting all the way to Vienna. So, yeah. It's very fun too. So what do you guys think? Was it fun? 7% solution? Clever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm it's, a huge Sherlock Holmes fan as well. Um, and I think, I think Myers is really respectful of canon. He uses that, the great hiatus there uh, after Sherlock Holmes is supposedly dead yeah. until he comes back. Um, and and he, he puts his story in there so that it can be, well, this could have happened. Um, he, he fills it with little footnotes and, and callbacks to things that are canon. Um, and I, I think in a way he finds a, a really interesting way to tell this story while being respectful of canon. Um, the, the one thing I really love about this is, is um, who's playing, Charles Gray is playing Mycroft. Yeah. Um, and he'll later play Mycroft again in Jeremy Brett's uh, Sherlock Holmes series. That's right. Uh, and that's, that's really fun. And we, we'll, we, we've got another one of those kinds of things with coming up in the next word. one. Yeah. 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 That's really fun. Um, I thought that the the one thing that struck me as weird, but I think they had to do it for the story, was at the end, uh, Freud hypnotizes Sherlock one more time. And we sort of get the, the underlying reason for, for his addiction. Mm -hmm. And it struck me as really odd that Watson is allowed to be in the room <laughs> for that. <laughs> And otherwise, I like uh, Alan Arkin is fantastic as Freud. I like that casting a lot. I like Nicole Williamson in the role. He, he's not your traditional Holmes, but I, no. I really kind of like. But that. as the crazy put upon Holmes of this story, he's he's yes. great. It's it's that strangely, it's Duvall who's totally kind of out of his element yes. a little bit in this. Yeah, I it's... I like the performance, and I like I because I like where it comes from from an inner place. But it's very tough to buy him as. As, yeah, as Watson, yeah. maybe because we've seen too many Watsons throughout the years. Yeah, he mm -hmm. he's a good actor, so it it's not a complete failure. Right, I agree because he can pull it off. But yeah, it's odd casting, and I think it could have been much more successfully played by another actor. Mm -hmm. yep. And I think the whole the whole whatever it is, the mystery with what's her face, and it's not a super satisfying Holmesian mystery. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, you do it's, get all these little deduction yeah. things. And, and Herbert and Ross, who made, you know, uh, Goodbye Girl and uh, what's our favorite, Joel, with Broderick. And, and he made all these Neil uh, Simon is, um, Yeah, it is. Uh, 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 um, oh, my God, I was just talking about it. Uh, I, oh. Sorry. Um, Max Dugan Jason returns. Robards, Max Dugan returns. Anyway, uh, he he's made all these Neil Simon adaptations. He leans heavy yeah. into the comedy, and not just the comedy. He leans heavy into the wacky, like yeah. physical gaggy comedy. Yeah. And and there's a little too much of that. I like it. I, I like their how they chase that guy through the museum and stuff. Like I think it's fun and goofy, but it's it's a little light on its feet for some of the things that happen in it that are actually consequential. I so. 
But I get it. It's Herbert Ross. That's Herbert Ross was really kind. He let Nicholas Meyer just sit next to him for the entire shoot. Yeah. And because Nick wanted to learn how to make movies. And he said, sure. You can, you're the writer. You can come up any day, you know, just shut up. But yeah, sure. <laughs> come along for the ride. And, and he did. He, he says he learned from Herbert all these things that he had no idea. would never know anything about if he hadn't watched a guy go through the whole process and solve this litany of problems. Uh, what else? One, oh, I love the tennis match too, man. That's fun. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. On a really fun set. But what do you think, Michael? Not so, not so, not so big a fan. No, I, didn't, I didn't care for either of them actually. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Um, my, the thing about 7% solution, I, I thought Duvall was horribly miscast. Like it was yeah. distracting to me. Um, I thought Nicole Williamson was fantastic. I really enjoyed watching everything that he did. Um, I think that what bothered me most was the tone. I, you have the opening credits that say something like the facts are not the truth or something about that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, so we're in for a total farce. And then you get things like the nightmare, you know, coming down sequence. And I'm like, I don't, it, it just felt not, I don't, it didn't work for me. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what we're trying to do here. And then you have the, you know, the flashbacks. Um, I didn't care for Alan Arkansas going against what Rob said. Oh. I thought his accent, and again, I'm not an accent connoisseur, but I'm like, no, I'm not buying this. I didn't buy Duvall's accent. Um, Duvall's I was is excited. a little rough. I would agree. Um, I don't know I was about... I excited to see yeah. Vanessa Redgrave, I think, because I love her in anything, but... She's kind of yeah, wasted just, in it. Though. I thought it was plotting, and I just, I didn't, it did not resonate in much of, other than Nicole Williamson's performance, that was the thing that stood out to me. Like, again, tonally, like, and then you have Joel Gray being chased and when he caught, he's caught, he does this giant stage screen. I'm like, well, what? I don't understand what we're doing here. Right, that right. was my my takeaway on this. Unfortunately, I, did, I didn't care for this one. Sorry. It's just, it's a, he's got these deep cycle. The book is like this too, although the book is not nearly as madcap and goofy as the movie. But the, but the, but the book is, is still this, fun goofy adventure that they go on with this deep-seated psychosis hidden within it that is what the story is and i i agree i think the movie is tonally a little off but i i didn't have a problem buying into the goofiness i guess maybe that's when i saw it or or just because being a homes fan it's something different there have been plenty yeah. of goofy watsons and plenty of bumbling and stumbling throughout different series but this this one the comedy comes from this sort of hard day's night, you know, high speed chase kind of Benny Hill place, which I could accept, especially in a period piece that was a bit of a put on. And I'll say this about Arkin, because I think you're not wrong from a technical acting standpoint. He's really doing a Freud impression more than he's doing sure. some legitimate accent. I think he and I think within that, he actually does a pretty great job of keeping it real and being the being the character that's that you can lean on through all these situations where the, the other well, two kind of, you can't, I mean, I, I was excited going in when I started to, when the credits started and I'm like, Holy cow, look at this cast. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was really gunning for something really great. And I don't know if you saw there's, there's, there's three next generation Star Trek next generation actors that would eventually appear on that series that are all in there, yeah. which I was like, this is Trekkie nerd heaven here. This is great. <laughs> but, yeah, mm -hmm. I did, it didn't overall. It wasn't it a huge, work. it was a decent hit movie, it, it, but it's not a beloved movie the way it's a beloved book. And yeah. 
and I do think it's it is questions of tone. I I think you, I don't think you come back to this one again and again and again. I do a little bit because as a home story, I dig it. I I dig what's different about it, but I don't think you come back to it because it resonates emotionally or anything like that. Well, and speaking of that dream sequence, though, I think that that was stunning that whole sequence was just beautiful to watch he's coming down off of cocaine and totally freaking out like that's all really i think really powerful stuff and the the whole thing where he's like you know don't be so hard on your friend here like the the they just have that kind of heart to heart talk i think alan arkin's character is really really good at managing nicole's and i think that's i think we just know from all these holmes adaptations throughout the years that's not an easy thing to do joel before we have to move on to the next one the next movie anyway, anything yeah, about 7%? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I don't have anything uh, more than what, what hasn't already been said. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, uh, I, I gotta admit, I, um, I enjoy murder by decree more. Yeah. I, do. Uh, I think I do too, so, because there's yeah. a consistency with murder by decree that mm-hmm. you can, you can really hang on to and wrap your arms around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So murder um, by decree, yeah, so let, yeah yeah the jack starts it's the i just just the opening the credits the font the foggy london Mm -hmm. miniatures (laughs) you know i mean it's just i i i adore that and this cast while not nearly as flashy as the last movie is just this mountain of distinguished british character actors who for them are sort of slumming it in a hollywood movie in a way because they're you know um the you, the casting you want to talk about is Frank Finlay plays uh, Lestrade in both this and uh, and Study and uh, Terror, Study and Terror, which is funny. Yeah. He plays the same character in both, and Anthony Quayle's in both of them too, but he plays different characters in each yeah. of them. So, um, but I I love it. I love the atmosphere. I really think the theory of the crime is really clever, and I think the way they the way they get Holmes and Watson into it is kind of ingenious where the it's the people from Whitechapel because the government's not doing much to stop the Ripper. He's just killing right. prostitutes after all. There is a geopoliticalness to this. This film ends with a speech with Holmes in the High Court of England tearing the establishment down, which I really enjoy. Um, and Christopher Plummer and James Mason as an old, uh, almost should be retired Holmes and Watson. There, Plummer's one of my favorite all-time on-screen Holmeses. I I adore them. Their chemistry, the way you believe in their sort of relationship. What Joel calls that lived-in. I think it's a lived-in relationship that I really, really dug. Um, yeah. I love James Mason in that he has that. He really strikes the balance of the the sort of silly, out of his depth Watson with a very competent sort of man of integrity and man of action. I think that's fun. And, and the murders, Ripper murders are horrifying and awful. And they, this film, it doesn't show them explicitly, but it just doesn't shy away from what they are, which I think is amazing when they stumble in on those two guys taking, uh, Mary apart at the end of the film. I mean, when they turn around at the black eyes and stuff, I just, Mm -hmm. I, and the way, what's his face, the fast one, the chase, the way he moves, is otherworldly and kind of wild. And yeah. there, there are parts with of this the, film that I just really, really cape. did. Yeah. With the, yeah. With the, and he just, cape he like behind. glides when he moves, you know, I, it's weird, but mm-hmm. I love I, that. Uh, re- real, real quick, just to go back to what, uh, when we were talking about, the, uh, it just, it, 
what I love is um, this whole idea of the Ripper having ties to the royal family that came out in 1970. Um, and so it, it, that, that's when it was originally proposed um, by this uh, by this British surgeon. And then, um, you know, then in in 1973, there was a big uh, BBC documentary that they tried to do uh, 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 investigating this. So all of that happened. And then that clearly spurned someone to go, aha, well, let's you know, let's let's get that. Um, uh let's let's take that theory of the crime let's tell a jack the ripper movie and let's let's put the victorian london's greatest crime solving duo in the middle of it it's yeah and i I just to need i just love that all of that yeah that all of that came 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 uh came together and Um, if you've seen the hughes brothers from hell with johnny depp you you've seen this plot exactly play out already that if anything, yeah. it may lose a little power in that, and that the the theory of the crime is the exact same in both movies because it's mm-hmm. it's an outside theory that they that they build their thing on. So, all right, let's have uh, Michael poo poo on it, and then I'll bring it back with with some positive thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob I, Clark, I you love Bob it. Clark, don't you? Well, that was kind of a good surprise for me, and he actually stole some Black Christmas um, camera tricks um no doubt in the very opening scene and like it's straight out of black christmas so but um i was excited to see him i didn't dislike this but i didn't love it and it was certainly i enjoyed it more than i did seven percent so um i liked christopher Plummer, um and i I, it's funny because maybe it's because elwood and i are sitting here watching the movie and you guys say lived in i'm like there's an episode of the simpsons where bart is looking at some comic book And he's like, I get it. They're gay. I'm like, <laughs> right. The entire time I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so, yes. I don't know. It felt like, was this legitimately something they were trying to show? Because, they legitimately don't show you anything that, to contradict that, which I really do think is deliberate. Yeah. I was like, okay, but that aside, but I, um, I did like the cast. I, I also had pacing problems like this with like with 7%. I just thought this was really slow. Um, but I did like, uh, the atmosphere better. I thought the sets and the, all the streets were really well done and, and creepy. I think technically I liked this one better than I did 7%. Um, yeah, even though this is like a hundred percent, you know, fake Victorian London built on right. a soundstage yeah, and they actually shot it. 7% in Vienna, <laughs> but I kind of know what you mean though. There's a consistency it just, to it and there's yeah. a, yeah, it's kind of fun. And I, um, I thought the title's kind of stupid. It's like, so you're just giving away everything by the title, which is just kind of dumb to me. But um, I actually thought the, I know you brought it up and I think it's a, it's a good performance from Plummer, but that last half hour with Gilgood and the other higher ups, I'm like, don't we already kind of know all this? I mean, it just felt like a half an hour of cushion. I'm like, why are we here? It just, it, it seemed a little, repetitive to me but yeah I, I will i will i will concur with that a little bit after the cargo net of, of uh the the most vicious evil cargo net ever devised by um, <laughs> humanity with a mind of its own with yeah, a yeah. mind of its own uh, i i was like oh my, oh my god there's 25 minutes left yes <laughs> and, yeah. um yeah i was like it's oh that's a good go. point wrapping it up i like yeah. it because i like a man standing up beaten on the system i love i find that very satisfying and i like that this movie 
takes a stand like that against against you know this sort of still even at this point in history this feudal society that that mm-hmm. that England's empire has been built upon and how that I I think realistically believing that's responsible for all this is kind of dumb but but thematically I find it very very rich and I like that I like that oratory I like watching great English actors you know giving speeches I I get that it 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 really is a long post amble after the climax of the things so I I can't deny that but I do dig it when I revisit and it. I love mm-hmm. that Webster's mom is in this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and she's the she's the good heart and she's the last one to be murdered so brutally. She's the she's the she's the kind-hearted uh cow, cow girl in um mm-hmm. Apple Dumpling Gang too. It's weird yeah. to see her in this. I think the Donald Sutherland stuff and the some of that is goes off the rails. I think Plummer dressed up as a disguised as a chimney sweep is silly. I mean, there's there's yeah. some dumb <laughs> stuff in it, but Yeah. But I li- but I like the ending. Unlike you guys, I yeah. I'm into that. I really just I adore it. I, it's just him standing at a pulpit, yeah, letting it rip. For Twenty minutes. It, it, you're right. We okay. certainly know that we know the. It's not. What's it's not what's his face in Murder on the Orient Express giving his whole theory of the crime and we're learning it as he goes. We do know everything he's saying. Yeah. What we what what I think we appreciate is that they this story takes the Holmes character and makes him a voice for the people in a very cool way. I don't know that Doyle would have done that, but I dig that. I like that a lot. I like that I, I think his weeping after meeting with Jean Vieb Bujol's character is a little over oh. the top, but I really like his being moved. No, no, by no, that. no. I love that. I, I totally forgot that, but that scene was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it that was that was the highlight. I, I'm glad you I totally forgot, but that whole sequence with her, her performance and just what was going on around them was yeah. was yeah, I was totally glued. Like it 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 also it felt kind of out of place to me with the rest of the film. Like, oh, this is well, amazing. It's, it's the, the whole is... shebang, so it has to be there. But yeah, it it is. It feels out of place. It, it it isn't. It has to be there. Her 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 affair and her child are the whole thing. But no, it's out of place because of how engaged I was. Oh, I see. That's. I mean, like I'm like I'm into this, and then we went back and okay. All right. Before we have to move on, uh, which we do, I saw this film in the theater when I was seven years old and it made a huge impression that final discovery the final murder. I mean, that, that image has stuck with me. I see things in my mind that aren't shown on the screen that I can recognize now, but you know, in my nightmares as a child, it was much more gruesome even. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love this film and I cannot see it with modern eyes. Sure. I see it as a seven-year-old. Um, and I appreciate it more as I go forward. If there are blind spots, I don't see them. I know the mm-hmm. film so well that it doesn't drag for me because I know it. Um, I know every beat of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the summing up at the end for all the reasons you say, but also because that's sort of a staple of a detective film is you gather everybody together, and or in this case, you gather those three guys, and he explains how he did it in case you missed any of the stuff, um, which, which there are a few things that are, are filled in there, but most of it is a recap. Um, I even, the one thing I noticed in my Blu-ray is that model that opens the film 
and is shown is used over and over again right. uh, because it was probably a very expensive model. Mm -hmm. it, um, <laughs> it doesn't quite hold up as well in HD. Right, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, but it's still but it's still it's got that mood and that feel yeah. uh, that I just I love Sherlock Holmes. I love Jack the Ripper. I love Victorian England. I love the fog and racing through the streets. Um, the sound just, of the cobblestones. The whole thing. Thoughts. Yeah, I had yeah. a realization after watching these because I'm very, I have very limited exposure to Sherlock Holmes. And I'm kind of thinking that based on these two, perhaps I'm just not a Sherlock Holmes fan. Perhaps not. That could be. So, anyway, it could be. I mean, these are not. They're postmodern Holmes stories. Yeah, no sure. doubt. Yeah. They're not yeah. canon by any means, but. Right. Mm -hmm. There is a, a great Hammer, Hound of the Baskervilles with Christopher yes. Lee and um, Peter Cushing as and Sherlock I, Holmes. And I highly recommend you at least watch that because yeah. then th because that's sort of the quintessential pipe and hat, foggy yep. countryside yeah. tale. And you just can't do worse than Cushing and Lee, obviously. No. Um, it's much more old fashioned than these 70s films. It's a 60s film, but it it try yeah. it try it and see and if you don't like Got that it. then you it and then, then you then think of all the things you yeah. have to watch ever again <laughs> and, and i think you made the right choice ryan not doing study and terror it's kind of a fun film but it's nowhere near yeah, I agree. Uh, caliber of either of these two films which mm -hmm. um it's it's silly and ridiculous doesn't even follow the facts of the ripper case right, right, uh, right. but john neville is, is fun as i agree as uh Sherlock holmes in that one yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's um, let's move on, uh, because, of course, um, when we're children, we learn very, very early that uh, red means stop. Green means go. Yellow means either go very fast or caution or you're about to stop. <laughs> um, but of course, in 1946, we learned that green for danger. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I will bow uh, at my transition. That You're very welcome. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, okay, how do I get us to Green for Danger? <laughs> Rob, Rob, okay. let's go. Let's take a trip back in the Wayback Machine to 1946. Right. So I've got um, I've, my double feature is based on the uh, great British actor, Alistair Sim. Uh, I just love this guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's my favorite Scrooge uh in, in a there. christmas carol yeah and uh i just love <clears throat> everything i've seen him do um so this was a way to bring two of his best films i think um to to you guys who i'm i assume none of you had seen either of them right so i'd at least heard of an inspector calls but i had never seen okay. either of them yet yeah, uh, Green for Danger is, is just a fun old whodunit mystery. And for me, the highlight of it is Alistair Sims' role as the inspector, uh, Inspector Cockrell. And I cannot for the life of me figure out why this was not a series of films. Yeah, um, crazy. It's, based on novel by it's a Brand. series of books that's yeah. as long yep. as your arm. Yep. There's Alistair Sim playing this guy over and over and over and over yeah. again. I'd, yeah, I would, after watching this movie, I'd have watched every one of oh, them. Oh, heck yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it's just, it's this. His resignation letter at the end of the movie without spoiling <laughs> it. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. What a great yep. character. Yep. 
Um, so aside from the, so the, the mystery of this is that um, a, someone died on the operating table that shouldn't have. Um, and the inspectors called in uh, to figure out how this happened um, after there's another murder. Uh, so I, you know, I don't really want to get into the plot of it at all. Yeah, Just, probably best not to for either yeah, of these. Sat in a hospital uh, during the war or right at the end of the war. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, and the reason to watch it uh, first and foremost is Sim. Uh, but even, I also even though think, he doesn't come in till halfway through a little, yeah, over he, well, time. yeah, it's like 36 minutes in before he appears. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think it's got great production design and cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the look of that garden area, uh, the whole lead up to the second murder, mm-hmm. just the sets, this, this feeling of perspective, um, this is this solidness. I don't mean to laugh. There is one thing leading up to the second murder that I find patently absurd, but still very enjoyable. The I'm big, curious, the I'm big sure. Logan's Run balcony speech. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, I know everything. I don't know why right. anyone in a million years would would do that. I get that she's sort of inebriated, but it's just no. But at the same time, she had crazy eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Character. Yes, yes, you knew it was that crazy did not from seem jealousy to me it at was, all. It was. It was Sister really fun. Rose or what was her right. name? Sister something? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't trade yeah. it. I'm just saying. No, but that, that sequence <laughs> is actually, uh, when she actually gets into the operating theater, it's scary as all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It really is. Like it's when she, very effective, when she turns, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It was great. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I love the feel of it, the look of it. I think it's got a very clever mystery. I think all the supporting roles are great too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who you really think did it most of the movie, um, he's my favorite. I can't remember what he is. The charming guy who's always, he's really at the, him and the inspector really go at it. And yeah. I think with Sims, such a colorful character that you need, you need somebody of equal weight. And I think that the, the upper class I'm comfortable in my own shoes kind of way that that guy lives his life. Like it's, there's a weight and a power to it that I think is yeah. fantastic. And I think it makes the ending work, which you need. Well, to, yeah. There's that. two things that really always, that stood out to me about, I mean, I, I loved it. I thought it was just a hoot. I had such a good time watching this movie. And I think that, you know, even though you do suspect that guy, you, the fact that they lay blame at everyone's feet at one point or another I really was guessing. I'm like, I oh yeah, know. yeah. I don't mean I'm to say. Sure. I just feel like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I loved that about it. And and you know, we since we talked about tone and some of the other stuff, because Cockrell is so goofy and he's got that physical the comedy at the beginning. It's funny to me that I had no issue with that. It's a dark, serious thing, and it's noir, and it's got all these shadows. But then yeah, he's but kind of this. Goofy it's that character. style of filmmaking too, where you can get away with a lot of that. You even want some of that to balance the right, thing out but i'm saying like it's i guess it's the matter of how it's how it's put out there for you you know is it does it feel organic to what is going on in here and i recognized everything in it if that film was shot entirely in the pinewood courtyard which is a thing you see in 400 movies basically <laughs> the pinewood bar the every every it's pinewood everywhere you know what i mean i mean they shot yeah. aliens and Batman 89 at Pinewood too, but you can't tell that that's where it is. This movie was 
they didn't even really dress it up. They probably couldn't afford to. So they right. used the little mini well, yeah. village that's there in front of the studio to pretty great effect, I have to say. Yeah. yeah. I also, the, it, speaking of effects, I thought when the bomb drops sort of at the beginning mm-hmm. and that uh, oh, yeah. the area yeah. they're in, caves in and stuff was really well done. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a little well, that's moment. One of the that, other things I liked about this that kind of added to the tension is that they set up that threat that could be coming at any moment. And so you're constantly kind of waiting, okay, here comes another one while all this other nonsense and craziness is going on. I loved that effect. There's a great sense of suspense all the way through. I loved this movie. That was great. Yeah, it was a a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. It was a uh, Criterion Laserdisc that I owned. That's how I first saw it. (laughs) Ah. I watched the Criterion DVD. Nice. It was it was great. I mean, it looked great for an old old black and white movie. It looked fantastic, yeah. even on DVD. So I liked I liked it. I don't know that it's some great movie, but for what it is, so enjoyable template mm-hmm. of what it is. It's 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 hard to knock any of it. I really really I dug it. Think the next movie the I think best. is even. I'll just say I think it's even better in so many ways that the couple things I don't like about it, I think stand out a little bit more, but I don't think that's cause it's, I don't think that's cause it's bad. I think cause it's so good. You have to take the whole thing. Right. You take it on another level entirely. So I think with green for danger, what it is, is I think it's really one of the best examples of this type of film that you think there are a million of, but when you go looking for them, you can't really find yeah, it's them. It's just a handful of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this one really kind of nails all that that you want from a British murder mystery. It's got everything you'd want. So an inspector calls. An inspector calls. So this one uh, opens with the family having dinner, a very wealthy family having dinner. And we meet all the characters. They're all dressed for dinner. What that means is they're all in tuxes with tails and evening dresses with gloves and the whole works. And we get a little sense of who each of these characters is. The the young son drinks too much. Um, The father is bragging about his his business. Um, The mother's denying anything unpleasant is happening. Uh, The daughter is trapped in a mismatched... Arranged yep. marriage, basically. Yep. And they're all cracking nuts, which is basically what this film's going to do uh, from then on, <laughs> nice. is we're going to crack open these nuts and look at them. Uh, Alistair Sim shows up as Inspector Poole, and he's there to talk to them about the death of a young woman. Um, and they're all like, well, we couldn't know who she is. And one by one, he shows them a picture explains and gets their story how they knew her uh and i think that's all i need to say to set it up mm-hmm. um that's I, what it, it is this is an indictment really. of the class system yeah. of privilege um of putting yourself above society and other people and it really tears all of these people down and it's so frustrating at the end that it looks like two of the characters may have grown but the old people are just doing what what old people always do. It's like, oh, we. I'd oh, argue three three hook. of them by the end have d- decidedly gr- shown yeah. personal growth. Actually, <laughs> yeah. The the and it is the young people that you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I want to hear you guys uh, well, again. I love Sim in this. He's just I mm-hmm. love him. 
He just yeah. he's like a great old stage actor. He comes in yeah. and takes stage and and yep. and yet he he knows when it's his turn to let them do their thing. Like it's it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's better than any Agatha Christie thing I've ever seen. It's better than that. It because because it's it's there's 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 less of a conceit here somehow. This is more a, 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 and I don't use the word comedy like Roxanne's a comedy. It's a comedy of errors. The way these people's ignorance and their own, like kind of like in Clueless, their own limited worldview conspire <laughs> unknowingly to cause this person's destruction. Yeah. And discovering that is is it's it's a joy in that it, you really do give a crap about it while it's happening. You're mm -hmm. emotionally invested in it, and not just in the tale of this woebegone woman who the inspector tells us has killed herself. It's it's in each of these characters and how their sadness blinds them in different ways, and you know, and the the reward for seeing them being changed by talking to one another and listening to one another for the first time ever for some of them, this is a family yeah. we're talking about is, is stunning. And I just was really tremendously impressed by that part of it. This was my favorite out of all eight films. Um, Ellen and I were screaming at the end, screaming. Like we, <laughs> I, I won't say names because it'll give it away, but there is a, current filmmaker that I'm like, did you watch this? Was this something you really enjoyed for how things ended up playing out? And then you use these similar kind of tactics in your own well-received films early on in your career. That's very vague, but I don't I know what you're talking away. about, <laughs> but it, it's, you had to have been watching this because it's so right up your alley. Um, and it was shocking because I enjoyed it on face value exactly for the things you just said, Ryan. It's like, these great journeys and how they all have to kind of face who they are or who they've been. Um, and then to have, you know, the final 10 minutes go in such an interesting direction. And, but it's, there were plenty of clues along the way. Sure. You know, I, and so it's one of those films, like I want to go back and rewatch because I want, I caught a couple of them, but I know there must be others in there that give it away or give you that clue in and, I thought it was it was just joyful. It was like beautifully performed. I kind of missed um, Sims Cockrell. Like I liked that character a little better, but this one's still fun. But um, I yeah. just I was totally, this one's totally much more of a mystery it. and much more of a blank slate. And Cockrell is such a yeah. is such a great guy that like Which you say you wish you wish the you wish the t right. TV series would have happened or whatever so that you could just watch a ton of them. But but I do like the way that Sim in this one, he doesn't let people off the hook, which oh, no. given when this is set, that that is almost a clue uh, with not alluding to too much because you see in Murdered by Decree where the, you know, we're not yeah. going to make They get fuss. condemned, but they, they, not, they don't have actually anything happen to them. That's exactly right. Yeah, correct. yeah. Yep. You, you cannot accuse anybody of the upper classes of, of anything. Right. And he just like, no, he, he just, he beats them down. Yeah. I think I'm done. Yeah, I know you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. All those little things. It just well, he's, perfect. he's in a position, isn't he? He's in a unique position to be able to do that in a way that somebody else might not be. Yep. Right. And that's what's so great about it. It's that the, the, there's little bits at the very end that, I, that I find kind of quizzical. I think there, there's a, 
an easy sense of justice to the movie that the movie's way more complex and doesn't need. But, but at the same time, it's, it, it's a clever trick and a clever conceit too, that I also sort of enjoy. So I don't, I don't yeah. dislike that, but. I mean, I enjoyed too, the, the difference when we got everyone's backstory with their relationship to the, 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 the character is that some of them are obviously much deeper, but I love that none of them were, or the, a couple of them weren't like, end all be all like you know it's just this wonderful buildup of certain big things and a couple of little things but you all had this interaction mm -hmm. but i love that they weren't every single incident some dire life or death interaction i like that it was kind of mix and match i thought that was really i, cool. I really believe that's what's most brilliant about it there's a lot of things to like here but the best thing about it is that that there isn't this big moment there isn't this it's, uh, for a murder mystery, there isn't a murder moment that happens ever. And and that's tragic and it's believable, not in the same way, but but by the same mechanisms for its time that Lake Mungo is believable, which is that it's it's it there's it's messy and it's confusing and it and you go off on a couple of tangents that you don't need to. Uh another technical thing, because we shouldn't wrap the film up here, we should continue to talk about it a little more, but uh, I love uh, George Cole as the train conductor. George is, uh, was Alistair's uh, protege, and he's in many, many, many of his movies. He plays the young Ebenezer Scrooge in the very famous Scrooge and other things. Uh, George was the the head butler in Mary Riley. That's my favorite role of his. But he's a cool actor that I like, and he's a he's just a, in this film. He's just a young man that. Alistair had taken under his wing and that was very much the British way, especially in the theater. You know, uh, Michael York was Lawrence Olivier's protege. That was a big deal to be that because you kind of, you know, it was like the Jedi, you know, you really only chose one to allow to hang with you for a while. And the idea was even that this, then this young man will replace me and the grand tradition will continue or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's an ex certainly not how it worked out for George Cole or, or Michael York, but, but it's neat. I always think yeah, it's neat right. to see George show up in an uncredited, and, and he's even great. Who, who he's the guy he looking for the tickets in the train. Why am I blanking? Okay. Hmm. Right. Yeah, George, Cole, the George Cole could have had, yeah. Huh? Isn't it on the bus? Oh, is it the bus? The, well, either the way, tram. Yeah, the tram. Yeah. Yeah. The tram. He's walking up and down looking for payment or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I thought it yeah, was George a train. George Cole. Oh, okay. I yeah, thought it was George a train Cole because had a who does that on a bus? But I guess over yeah, there back then, back then, that's how you did it. Okay, you had a special guy whose whole job and he owned like an apartment, and his whole job was just to walk up and down the bus and get payment for people. Yep, yep. wild. Well, anyway, that was George, and I think George is fun. So, yeah, Good that has George. nothing to do George. with anything, but it's fun. It's it, this is these travels back in time to this era of filmmaking, and the reason we're doing more of it is because it, it those things are fun yeah. to witness yeah. when we, when I think of the Fritz Lang films. They had they're loaded with stuff like that where you're like, wow, this is a whole different way yeah. of life that I, the movie thinks nothing of, and that's what's so great about it. And then mm -hmm. yet we get to experience them. So yeah. both mm -hmm. of these have some of that, definitely. What what what's what's fun about this one is it, it's a murder mystery, but it really isn't because she committed suicide. And he's there not to find out who the murderer was, but to make them all feel their culpability. 
right. than what happened. <laughs> He's just there to make them feel bad. And when they uh, yep. do, and that sinks in, uh, that's why I feel the yeah. stuff that comes after is a little superfluous, even though it's it is the gotcha stuff that a movie like this sort of needs. I think yeah. to work properly on yep. an audience. One of the other things that really worked for me in this was the I can't remember the actress's name, but the the daughter. Yeah. How she was clued in very early on. Yeah. She kept telling everyone, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Right. And I'm like, it was it Elwood and I were talking. It's like, that's an interesting character trait for this era. Like mm-hmm. she would never, but she just kept telling everyone, you need to be quiet. Stop talking. Right. And I I I love that aspect of her. She was not just kind of a wallflower, right. you know not speaking. I thought that was an interesting choice. I thought she was the strongest character in the whole thing, really, when it comes yeah. down to it. I love the mother, mm-hmm. though, too. I, I like that she that. falls in love with her guy that she's not in love with at all when she realizes it is at least his attempts at kindness to another person. It Well, the fact that he's open about it and she actually says, "I that's why I still would consider being with sure you, right? But, right. well certainly but it's more than that it's that he did it this is this version of him that she has no idea is there until he tells his story and that guy is worth investing in i don't know if he's worth just putting the ring back on and getting back engaged with but he <laughs> he's worth investing he's worth giving another try to i like sure. that no. i like even though it's a tragic tale i like that little bit of renewal that happens within the story it's neat it's just neat. It's not at all what I was expecting from a from a film like this. It's not at yeah. all what I I was expecting. Green for Danger too. Yeah. Yeah. You know. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like it, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's Green for Danger too. That's why. Greening. Well, that's why I really like Savage Greener. Land as a lead into Lake Mungo. We don't yeah. talk much about the order of these things. It's why I really like the order. You know, they're. That Michael's is reverse chronological order, but it really is the order to watch them if you're going to watch them both and. And yours is chronological order, so is mine. Makes a certain amount of sense to watch them that way, but they could go either way. And I think it, this is spot on because this is the more sophisticated story, even though they're very similar. I get why they go great together, but they're very different, which is why yep. you don't feel like you're just watching the same movie again, which yeah. is great. It's very rewarding night at the movies for me. Yeah, I would agree. Um, all right, well, that uh, so that is eight movies. Um, that you can that yeah that you uh go out watch these get these films except these Roxanne are, um, don't watch that turd apparent well that's what I was <laughs> I was gonna say if you're watching the video feed of this uh there's probably a little treat that you get to watch go back and watch it and you'll probably get to see the moment much like Ralph Wiggum where Wiggum. Michael breaks my heart I'm sorry Joel. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's the moment where, uh, where Roxanne goes, I choo, choo, choosy. And, uh, no, it, it, that's fine. Um, but no, so you have, so happy again, belated birthday, Joel. Hey, thank you. Uh, another trip around the sun. Here we go. Um, but yeah, so we have, uh, eight movies, uh, some double features that are um, that I believe are um, all well worth your time, depending on what mood you're in for some films. Uh, and that's I, I, that's I love these uh, eight films that were chosen today because uh, there really is. And this is obviously the most cliche of cliches. There really is something for everyone um, in in these films. Um, so, uh, all right. Last thoughts on double features before we wrap it up here, gentlemen. 
Well, I was just going to say, I think all of these, with the exception of 7% solution, should be pretty easy to find. Yeah. Like, I think I was able to find all of them with the exception of that. That you might have to dig. Yes. It's got yes. A, a Blu-ray DVD pack from Shout Factory out there that's actually pretty yeah. affordable. But, yeah, do you buy movies? I was surprised you couldn't even stream it on Amazon. But it's it, – I, I can't remember who, what studio put that out, but it's they don't exist anymore. So when that happens, catalogs get it's picked harder. up and licensed yeah. out, and it gets it gets tricky. That's not a Sony movie where – Sony would put well, it here or a Warner movie yeah. where Warner would put it there. It's, it's well, been the, just put out on video by happy time video and <laughs> happy movie time, time video, video and all that just stupid, yeah. you know, well, the, the so. last thing I would say is like, I, despite the fact that I didn't love every one of these, I always feel so grateful to be introduced to new things. So I, I'm always very happy to, to watch these and kind of tick off something in my movie education, whether I liked it or not. So, I mean, I don't want it to be like it's a lost cause. Michael Klug hates everything. But I, I really like gathering mm -hmm. all this information and seeing things that I've not. So or Michael won't the watch it. Michael hates everything. A uh, couple of uh, coming <laughs> attractions. Michael, later this summer, is going to do best five Jaws ripoffs with us. There might be more like seven in the end, but we'll see. Um Indeed. Like there, I can promise you there won't be more than seven. <laughs> that's the top. Maybe only five, maybe seven. That's it. No, there is not an eighth best Jaws ripoff. That just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, and Rob's got a bunch of more like super super old crap that he's gonna walk us through, which is gonna be really fun. And uh, well, I, we're I having a hard time getting this, that one though, off the ground, but it's coming. I because, will say this. Yeah. yeah that in the three it's been three double features right yeah yeah that i think rob's three double features have consistently been at the top for me yeah yeah so all the old crap as you put it has been the best <laughs> super super old crap is what, how i put it <laughs> indeed um i just wanted to say to michael i apologize i know that when we use our computers and things like that in the internet we can get viruses I did not mean to pass it to you last time. Uh, appreciate that. So I should have worn I'm, my mask. We're both, we're both healthy now, right? Yep. So now yep. we're, there you go. Now we're safe. Do you yes, have COVID best. too at one point, Joel? I, I knock on wood. Uh, I have not had it yet. No. You probably got it today. Probably got it today. Uh, uh, virtually, yeah. 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 Over Zoom. Um, yeah so uh all right well uh yeah hopefully uh hopefully all of you we are not passing a uh virtual covid virus to any of you um so uh if you have any questions queries comments um do you want to defend my honor on roxanne you should feel free to reach out to us at the movie show with joel and ryan page on facebook at ask joel and ryan on twitter instagram and tiktok and of course if you are watching this on the youtube channel uh like and subscribe give us a compliment here we can uh we will get it back to you here uh as always gentlemen it is uh so great to see you all um and uh you as well i'm prepping for the hate mail yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Um, but it's all it's all good. Um, all right. So that is gonna do it for us for this week. Thank you all so much for coming by. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. 
Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. Oh, oh, oh.